What Chris is trying to say is that you're like trying to find the perfect seed, but he's saying until you put it in the ground, water it a little bit, you don't know which one's the good. All seeds look the same. Okay, welcome to today's episode, the Ty Lopez podcast radio program. Uh, I have a very fascinating guest who's on a, what? how many city road tour? 100, 100 cities. 100 cities. Okay. We're talking only about 100. Only 100. We're talking <laughs> about the $100 startup. I have with me Chris Gillibo, and he's the author of quite a few interesting books. One of the ones you might have seen me post on my Snapchat recently was Side Hustle. So what I want to talk about, we're, we're doing a 18-minute TED Talk style, <laughs> get right to the point. Let's go through three ways. Okay. We only have time for three. Great. For the average person mm-hmm. to go from the job they don't like, okay, mm-hmm. full-time, the average person has a nine-to-five they don't particularly care for. To yep. either a side hustle, which is like a part-time mm-hmm. income, or a $100 startup. What If you had to distill it down, I always say, last day on planet Earth, you have to leave a manual for your children, and you only have time to write three things. So they're not. you don't want to be too general. What are the three most important principles to creating either a side hustle or a $100 startup? Number one. Yes, awesome. I like it. Uh, number one, I would say... Look at the skills you already have, as opposed to trying to go out and get a bunch of new skills. Because when it comes to starting an income generating project, whether you want it to be your side hustle, like you said, or whether you want it to be your full-time income, your beyond full-time income, your thing that makes you a lot of money, uh, I think a lot of people have the wrong idea. And they're like, oh, you know, I should look and see what what's happening out in the world. People are making apps. I should make an app. And I'm like, okay, do you know how to code? They're like, nope. Like, are you a web developer? They're like, nope. So look at the skills you already have. And it's very likely that those are the skills, the life experience. If you went to college, whatever schooling you had, that's what we can use, you know, to essentially develop your side hustle or your income generating project. And you need to learn some businessy skills, but those are really simple. Like the businessy skills are what I talk about in the books. You learn those, you apply them to what you already know, and that's where you're going to see your success. So basically, <clears throat> Peter Drucker in his book, Managing Oneself, which I consider mm. one of the great books, he says, build on strength. So would you agree? It, that is very similar to what you're saying, because obviously, if you've never done something, mm. it's not going to be a strength. So the fact, yeah. so you're saying, build on something, you, you, you basically, you already have something up your sleeve that you probably don't realize you have. Do you find that most people listening actually have something up their sleeve that's marketable skill that can be turned into a side hustle part-time business or a full-time startup? I think uh, I think everyone's an expert at something. And I think sometimes they don't know what it is. So sometimes they kind of look and they're like, well, I did this, I did this. This is what I do for my job. I know how to do my job, but I don't necessarily know how to apply it. So I think they have to pull it out sometimes or tease it out. But I do think everyone has it. I'll give you an example. Uh, and I wrote about this in, in the, the new book. Uh, there's a guy named Tanner who goes on a cruise with his wife never been on a cruise before, wasn't sure what to expect. And he came back and he was like, it was actually a pretty good experience. Would have been better if I'd had some information before I left. Like he was wondering, can I watch Netflix on a cruise? How does internet access work? All that kind of stuff. So he was a copywriter for his day job. So he's using the skill he already had. He created a really simple WordPress blog. Like Mm -hmm. anybody can make, you know, designs pretty bad by his own admission. And on that blog, he's basically answering questions about cruises. Like, can I watch Netflix on a cruise? Writes a Mm. whole post about it. You know, can I watch HBO? Blah, blah, blah. 
you know, he connects that really simple blog with the bad design to uh, Google's AdSense program, where people come and they read the post, they click a link, he gets paid a little commission. We go about six months into the story, uh, six months of him posting, you know, like an article or two a day, and he's making $3,000 a month wow. from this little blog. And just you know, part-time, probably. Part-time, yeah. He's just doing I mean, he's got his job still, right? So now it's nine months, and he's making like $4,000 a month. It's, it's been about a year now. I, I need to go back and talk to him because it's been three months. But three months ago, he's doing $4,000 a month. So that's real money, right? This is not like a few hundred bucks a month. Like, this is very significant income for lots of folks. And he's using a skill that he already has. So yes, I do think everyone has a skill like that. It may not be copywriting. It may be something totally different. Yeah. But that's what I try to pull out from people. Yeah, so that's part of... For those of you listening, you, I recommend you check out his books. I'm not being paid to, to say that, but I like books like you've written that are pretty straight to the point, have practical action plans. This is one of those. I have a buddy who is one of the great marketers of all time, in my opinion, internet guys, and he makes probably nets probably about five million bucks a month. And he always tells me, whenever you're trying to do something, don't forget mm-hmm. to sit in a chair with a notepad and just brainstorm Mm-hmm. A lot of people go, ah, yeah, what yeah. am I good at? Well, just start brainstorming. Yep. He said, inevitably, you write down 20 things, you cross mm-hmm. off 18 of them, you have two solid starts. I like you know? it. Okay, yep, l- yep. before we go to number two, uh, right. we're already live here. For those of you watching, I'm here with Chris Gillibow. Did I get it right? No, but that's okay. Gillibow. Gillibow. <laughs> that's um, great. We're talking about the $100 startup. How can you start with nothing? Or a hundred bucks or less. Or how can you create what's called a side hustle? He's a best-selling author of multiple books. And for those of you uh, listening, one of the most common questions is, "How the heck do I start?" Well, the way one of the ways you start is he's giving three tips. We've already done one. You've missed some of it. Number one is don't build off a skill you don't yet have. Don't mm-hmm. start your first business on something you're not yet good at. It takes a while to acquire skills. So. Just be, Chris said, just because you see somebody building an app and your buddy made a million bucks on app doesn't mean you have mm-hmm. to build an app. You can do something else. So what's number two? All right. So you mentioned in the little intro, uh, you know, don't be general, be specific. I think that's great because the tip is going to be, uh, you know, don't just have an idea. Probably everybody out there has a business idea. You know, you talk to everybody in the world, they're like, I got this idea. Uh, so what I want to help people do is go from idea to income, which is the subtitle of the book, but to be specific idea to offer. So if you think about it as consumers, we don't buy ideas. Like we don't go in the store and buy ideas. Like we go and buy, we buy products, we buy services. So I want to help people like when they start to think like, Oh, what am I good at? What is that skill that I'm going to build off of? Then they get an idea. They understand like the power of observation, which is something I teach them about in the book. Uh, then I want them to say, okay, here's my idea, but very specifically, here is an offer, right? Mm. And so an offer includes a promise. It's like, how's it going to change your life? You know, this thing is, how's this going to thing like make your life so much better, relieve stress, make you more money, whatever it is, you know, what's the pitch? How are you going to tell a story about it? What's the price? How are people going to give you money? Like, how are they going to make that exchange uh, of value? So I'm trying to help people go really quickly from not just a general idea, but here's something that I'm actually making. Here's how I deliver it to people. And here's how I get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah, too many people are. I mean, I, the way I think the best analogy of business idea versus execution, the idea is the seed, and mm-hmm. everybody knows this. Twitter needs to be. You can't even see me on the Twitter. Um, everybody knows that a seed in and of itself, unless it's watered, planted, and cultivated mm-hmm. and fertilized, does nothing. But the problem is. Uh, mm-hmm. People are enamored, then they go, I can't start because I don't have a seed. For the average person trying to make less than $10,000 a month, you 
I totally agree with Chris. You already have a good enough seed to make one to $10,000 a month. I've, it's rare that you meet somebody. And the reason why, because everybody has a problem. And mm. one of the old sayings that's so true is that to make a million dollars, help a million people solve a problem. If you want to make a billion dollars, you solve a billion people's problems. Facebook created billionaires. A billion people use Facebook. Google created billionaires. A billion people or more use Google. So to make $10,000, you only have to imagine a world where 10,000 people have the same problems as you, which there's more than that. Probably so. Or you can make yeah. 10 bucks on each person and only help 1,000 people. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so what's number, what's number three... Uh, the third thing someone needs to know to either start a side hustle or make uh, or or to uh, do a hundred dollar startup. Great. So we started with that idea of um, building on the skills you already have, uh, maybe taking an inventory of yourself, your life experience, your education, all that kind of stuff. Maybe questions your friends ask you. Uh, then we talked about going from idea to offer, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say number three is because I've got this 27 day plan, like 27 days from idea to income, and I'm trying to encourage busy people to follow. Probably a lot of people listening or watching are busy, so I'm going to say that the third thing is to launch before you're ready. Mm. And I have a lot of stories about that. I'm sure you do too, uh, of people who are like, "Man, I wasn't sure that I was ready to go with this thing," and actually, I, you know, it really wasn't ready. Like uh, there were some features that were missing. Like there were some some problem with it or whatever. But I decided finally, like, if I don't just put this out in the world, it's never going to happen. Um, I'm going to find another reason to delay. Mm-hmm. And when they actually put it out in the world, maybe it's a huge success. Maybe it's just a small success, but whatever it is right away, they get more confidence. And then they actually can then go back and like fix the features or, you know, improve it however, but it's out in the world. And I've heard from so many people that are just like, man, if I had never done it, you know, like I can't imagine what my life would be like now. So I'm so glad I, I, I put it out into the world. So I'm trying to get people to do it before they feel ready because they're probably never going to feel ready. They're never going to feel it's perfect. So let's just, let's just push that a little bit. And then also, because a lot of what I teach people about is, um, you know, in the startup world, you hear all this talk about validation, mm-hmm. about how you have to validate your idea. Right. I actually think a lot of ideas can't be validated until you actually do them. Right. You know, like the guy with the cruise thing that we, when we began this conversation by talking about a guy who makes $4,000 a month, you know, writing about cruise questions. I mean, maybe there was some way he could have like gone through some market research or something to go through a validation exercise before he started it. But probably not. Like he just did right. it and saw what happened. Right. So don't worry about the validation thing. Your validation is how the market responds. Yeah. I just had yesterday, I did a, um, uh, I did a little mastermind war room at my house for those of you who watched and I brought in, I f- flew in or the top crypto guys in the world, Bitcoin <laughs> people and yeah, yeah. VCs. And I had, uh, some of the top, uh, private equity guys. And there was a guy there named uh, Gil Pachina. He's a pretty well-known guy. And He's the largest angel list. You're familiar with angel list, which is basically angel investors, kind of like VCs, but they invest in startups. He had 40 syndicates at once. It's the most in history. So this guy is one of the top investors in Silicon Valley. And if you look at his overall strategy, it's you can't just be a perfectionist. If he was a perfectionist, he wouldn't have been inve- – so he was in 40 syndicates. A syndicate, let's mm-hmm. say, on average could have 40 investments inside of a syndicate, so he could have wow. 160 things going at once. The reason he does that is – going back to the analogy of your idea being a seed, when you plant mm-hmm. a garden and you plant corn in your garden, one of the things you learn – is that you plant more seeds, you plant them closer together than can actually grow. What you do, let's say in one inch, you're supposed to plant one corn seed. 
uh, or you're supposed to grow one uh, stalk of corn. You would plant three seeds, and then you come back several, like a month later, and you thin out the weak ones. Mm, interesting. And so for you as an entrepreneur, what, what Chris mm. is trying to say is that you're too, you're like trying to find the perfect seed, but he's saying until you put it in the ground, water it a little bit, you mm-hmm. don't know which one's the good. All seeds look the same. Right, right. You know? So I feel like a lot of people are focused on before the seeds even in, in the ground. Yeah. Like what seed has the They're most potential? The what seeds. seed's going to take off? And you have, you really don't know. So yes. later, absolutely, I totally agree about the pruning thing. You know, let's go through and get through other things that aren't working. Maximize the ones. Give them the space they need to grow, etc. Um, but first up, get them in the ground. Yeah. Of of the people who contacted you because you've got best selling books. Uh, What's one of the standout stories? You told the one about the cruise. What's another? People need to be encouraged. They need to hear that this stuff actually works. What's another great testimonial from people using uh, your 27-day steps? Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I told you an online story, which is great. Got lots of online ones. But I also got like people doing offline stuff. So here's here's a kind of combination of the two, like offline, online. Uh, a dude from South Carolina goes into this uh, upscale men's shop in Austin, Texas, and he sees a candle for sale for $80. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, 80 bucks for a candle. You know, like, that's crazy. Who does that? And then, of course, the, sec- the second thing he thinks is, how can I sell those? You know, because $80 a candle, right? Right. So he's like, let me go home and like learn how to how to make candles. And so he doesn't go back to candle school. He doesn't get like a candle degree. He like <laughs> goes to YouTube, right? And, you know, first of all, he's watching like the Ty Lopez videos, but then he like types in uh, how to make candles. Right. And he's like, let me learn how to make candles on YouTube, you know, just like the, our ancestors did, you know, a hundred years ago. So um, over, a co- over a couple months, he like s- starts up this little brand and uh, he's selling these candles. The reason why I like this story, well, for lots of reasons, but one is he's selling using Amazon's Fulfilled by Amazon program. Right. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, so you yeah, guys so don't have to store candles it, yeah. in your house. You can send them directly to the warehouse right. and Amazon. And not only that, that's a, that's a great benefit, but not only that, you have access to Amazon's 200 million customers, Yeah, right? So you, you can actually focus on the product. And you know he's just like one dude out there. He doesn't have like a huge social presence, but he's built this product. He's found something that connects with people. So Amazon is, is basically like, you know, giving him access to their customers. So I forgot exactly what he's doing in terms of numbers. You know, these days, I don't want to overstate it. But when, I, when he started, it was it very quickly went to something like a couple thousand dollars a month, you know, working part time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a while back. So I'm sure there's an update since then. But I, I love stories of, of people just exploring, you know, curiosity and asking like, huh, why not? Like if somebody else is selling an $80 candle, why can't I figure out how to make a candle? It can't cost $80 to make it. So, you know, what can I do that's interesting like that? So, you know, in the book and in all the other stuff I do, I've got, you know, story after story of people that are doing this. And I'm trying to not just not just tell the stories and say those are great, but to dissect them a little bit, you know, and say, okay, well, how did how did that person get their idea? How did they go through the process? Like, what steps did they take along the way? What mistakes did they make? What challenges did they encounter? Like, what were their successes, but also their, their failures, you know, and then how can, you know, you, the listener, the reader, the viewer, um, how can you do this in your own way? So my hope is, you know, that people will read the book and not just say like, oh, cool book. You know, I hope that they'll read it. And I know you appreciate this too, that they'll read it and be like, okay, now I'm going to apply this in some way in my life. That's what makes me happy. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, I think we live in a world where you have millions of people who Mm -hmm. had seeds that would have turned into something, but they they freaked out. They had a heart attack. They couldn't quit their job. You know, in one of the things that I like for those of you watching who have big responsibilities. So maybe you have kids and you have this, he has two books. 
okay? One of them is the $100 startup, which is much more like how to start your thing, maybe quit your job. But for those of you who that's not a possibility right now, look at side hustle because I love that, you know, I love that kind of phrase. That's a good, did you come up with that? I, I mean, obviously it's a, a phrase, people, but I, uh, the first book with that as a title. It is the I first think. book with that title. So I've been writing about it for eight years, um, but I didn't originate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, side hustle is somewhat of a colloquial term, but to make that into a step-by-step and in your books are one thing, how did you decide how long to write uh, in terms of length? Did you come in consciously to writing your books and go, I'm going to make it 250 pages? X, uh, X words or something? I don't think so. Um, no, I think I try to figure out what am I, what do I want to say? Right. And wh- how, you know, what is then required to say that? So it's not so much about filling the space. Like I actually want, you said something very kind earlier about how the books are practical. Like that for me is the goal. I actually want people to not go more than a page or two without being like, huh, I can do, that's an interesting thing. I can apply that in my life. So I, I try to just think about what's the most important, what's essential. And let's put that in. And then every book I write is usually twice as long before it actually gets published. Right, so gets I cut out a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, I cut out a bunch of stuff. Anything I think is not really actually valuable to people that we're going to cut it. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's got to go. We got one minute left. We got a 60 second little speed bonus question. <laughs> right. Speed bonus Sounds question. Um, biggest pitfall that you've mm. seen people do? Biggest mistake? Biggest mistake. Okay. Um, so we talked about maybe waiting too long. Biggest yep. mistake. I mean, you highlighted like people had these ideas, they had these seeds, but they didn't plant them. I and mean, that's probably going to be the biggest thing. Um, but maybe also just like not following up, you know, not maybe actually having the idea and being like, well, that's not really going to do anything. Like nobody's yeah. going to want to pay me to like have a blog about the cruises. You know, nobody's, nobody else wants a candle, you know, $80 candle out there. Nobody else wants a, whatever the thing is. Yeah. So maybe just like inability to, inability to take that next step. And I've been there at different point, points in my life too. You know, like I can think of times that I like had an idea and probably would have been good, but I walked away from it. So I'm trying to do uh, less less walking away, and I'm hoping to encourage other people in the same way. I will tell you this. Procrastination is the killer of hopes and dreams. So whatever mm. – most hopes and dreams don't die because of the economy. They don't die because of Donald That's Trump right. or Hillary Clinton. They die because you just put too many things ahead of them. Mm. So, Chris, thanks so much for being here. Sure. He's, Thank on, you. he's on a big tour. <laughs> I highly recommend you go out and get uh, Side Hustle or $100 Startup, um, and he's got a couple other books. But those are the two that I've read, so I, I only recommend books I've read. But I'm sure the other ones are good, too. But well, thank I hope, you, sir. That's kind. I hope to, to catch up with you in person one of these days. I would love that. Well, I'm going a bunch of places, so maybe you'll be there. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. I'll keep going here on the podcast, and okay. Chris is going to drop off. Thanks so much. Hey, cheers, man. Thank you yeah, so much. thank you. Take it easy, bro. Yeah. So let's keep talking on this subject about $100 Startup. Because my story, if you know uh, anything about my story, I basically started with under 100 bucks, figured out how to take $100, make 100000 a year was my first real step. And then I figured out how to make $100,000 a month. Uh, and then I figured out how to make $100,000 a week. I remember that stage. That was when I was about 2008 or nine. I was figured out how to make hundred grand a week, which was good for me then. And then I finally, uh, event, I remember when I figured out how to make a hundred grand a day and now I'm working on the next stage, which is much harder, which is a hundred grand an hour, which is $835 million a year. I haven't got to that stage yet, <laughs> but, um, I'm working on it. You just keep going 
Someone says, Ty, you don't make a hundred grand a day. Well, some people don't believe it. Some people do. The people that don't, they're always broke people, by the way. Broke people, unfortunately, because of the societal effects, they don't realize that me making a hundred grand a day is still chump change. It's chump change. There's people make it, and I make more than hundred grand a day now with my business or my businesses. Um, but yeah, I I think that if we only knew, like I didn't grow up with money, I didn't grow up with a mom or a dad making a hundred grand a year, and so I couldn't imagine if somebody would have told me a hundred grand a day, I would have not believed it either. So for all of you that are cynical. I know where you're coming from. You come from a place of ignorance that I was once in and that it's easy and most of the world is in and life's tough when you're in a state of ignorance. I mean, most of the world, you know that there's mothers that give their kids Coca-Cola, their babies. I mean, there's, there's thousands or tens of thousands of people, mothers and parents that don't know that junk food is bad and contributing to childhood obesity. They don't know. It's ignorance. It's not like they're trying. No one tries to kill their own kids. Or ninety nine point nine nine percent of people don't do that. It's the same on money. People don't know. So, do you blame an ignorant person? Like, do I get mad at the person who was here on Twitter saying I don't believe you make hundred grand? I don't get mad because at the end of the day, remember this: the goal of life is to enjoy your life. And so, imagine that you're this, you know, ball, right? And around you is this, you know, like a hamster in a little plastic ball that runs around your house. You ever seen those? You put a hamster in it and let it run around the house. I used to, my friend used to have a hamster, uh, a hamster, Joe, he used to let it run around the house and it was funny to watch. And that's how you have to become because you have external forces, okay? And the way those external forces, they're always trying to penetrate your bubble, and they penetrate it in many ways with their doubts, with their own projections of their own fears, with their own projections of their own ignorance. And they will come at you and they'll often be your own family. For those of you who start a $100 startup, for those of you who try to make money, mark my words, those closest to you, not all of them, but some of those closest to you will become the people messing with your world more than anyone else in a negative way. And remember why. It is simply because they are externalizing their own paranoia. I mean, look at the news. The news right now um, is full of people that are externalizing their own paranoia. You see it on Twitter a lot. People get butthurt over anything. Like today, actually, this girl, I don't know how she got my number. She WhatsApp me from the UK, and she sent me some pictures. Just regular pictures, not like nude pictures or anything, right? I'll read you her thing. I'm not going to call her out and show you her thing. She So I didn't reply because yesterday I had 40, uh, I think 33, sorry, 33 of the biggest crypto people came over to my house, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, blockchain people. And so I was literally from 5 p.m. till 5 at, in the morning, I was with them. We were talking. We were doing plan, right? And so... She wrote this morning when I woke up, oh, I'm not your type, which is bizarre because I hadn't said that. So I just wrote LOL 
I laughed because I thought it was funny. Like, I didn't say you're not my type. I didn't say anything. I just literally was busy. And so she goes, I said, LOL. And she goes, she wrote right back. Oh, I thought your whole brand was based on building people up. Like, she thought I was tearing her down because I said, LOL. I was laughing because I thought it was funny that somebody, like, if I write somebody and they're busy and they don't write me back, I don't write back, oh, I'm not your type. So she was projecting insecurities that have nothing to do with me, fears that have, she must, I don't know this girl, she must have had a tough life that she projected anybody not responding in the way that she wanted to be, pers- uh, that she wanted to be pers- uh, uh, responded to is an affront to her self-esteem. And trust me, that's how the world is. The second each of you begins to to, let's say you do a hundred dollar startup and you go from, you take a hundred bucks and you figure out how to make a thousand bucks a month or 5,000 or $10,000 a month. Somebody who's insecure about their financial situation is going to start saying, Oh, you've changed. Oh, you've changed. Well, yeah, you've changed. You're making more money. Change is the name of the game. I mean, who doesn't want to change in some way? Is there any person here who, if they could snap their fingers and had a genie uh, give them a wish, wouldn't want any change. Would you? Would your one wish be like, my wish is that nothing changes? Like the definition of a wish is you want something new in your life. So when people say to you, whether they be your own family or a friend, you've changed, say, thank you. That was the whole damn goal. So <laughs> I'm accomplishing my goal and you're confirming it. And that's very important around money because nothing. I was on uh, H3H3 podcast a couple of days ago, Ethan and, and Hilla Klein. And um, and one of the things that I see, and we were talking about this, is that nothing makes people more freaked out than money. Like if I talk about money, people have, it's like, it's literally like I'm trying to destroy society to some people. Some people go, Oh, who is this guy trying to give people financial hope? Oh, who, how dare he? What, I'm going, well, what world do you want to live in? No hope? Whatever you are, the poor will just continue to get poorer and the rich will just get, continue to get richer. Did you know the top 10 wealthiest people in the world have more money than the bottom 50%? So you're satisfied with the bottom 50%, 3.5 billion people, billion having less money than the top 10. Uh, so if I try to shake that up a little bit by talking to the bottom 3.5 billion people, poor people, that I'm somehow taking advantage of people, I mean, it's so stupid. The arg- the logic is one of the... <laughs> I was talking to somebody yesterday. I'm like, who wants to have a live debate with me? Because I will shred you. If you think that in some way I'm giving false hope to the poor or the middle class, you are an idiot, and you deserve to be treated like an idiot. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, this is bad. You know what's going to mess up the world? Somebody trying to help bring income equality. And people go, well, Ty, but you charge for your programs. Well, first of all, I just passed 1 billion minutes of free videos watched on YouTube. 1 billion. Is that? Did anybody pay for that? No, and I don't run any ads on my videos, meaning I didn't make one penny from those billion dollars directly. I People might buy my stuff indirectly when they watch a video, but literally a billion minutes watched, not a million, a billion minutes watched 
for free and I made no uh, not a penny. So you're right. I have some stuff that I charge money. Why not? People pay fucking $5 for bullshit hamburger at McDonald's that gives you diabetes. <laughs> so you can pay me something too. It doesn't, you, they ain't going to give you diabetes. It might help you create a diabetes uh, pharmaceutical startup or medical startup that helps people cure diabetes. Yeah. So get over it. Stop being butthurt hater. Stop projecting Stop shooting out your insecurities about your own financial situation onto other people that are trying to do their thing. And am I perfect? Of course not. You know, I purposely post stuff on my Snapchat and Instagram that some people consider not angelic because I don't want people to think I'm an angel. I I never projected myself as a religious leader. I'm not Joel Olstein. I'm not saying I'm some moral uh, compass for the world. I am what I am. And... I am just a regular human sharing their life experience. And my life experience is that each of you watching, if you can come up with 100 bucks, you can change your life financially, okay? You can change your life financially. And if you get butthurt about that and you're a conspiracy theorist that the rich will always hold down the poor, then good. Go to your grave with your cynicism. It's fine. At the end of the day, we all go into our grave. The cynics, the optimists, the realists. You, you all go into the grave. <laughs> you all go into the grave with me. There ain't nobody getting out. Even if there's anti-aging message, everybody's going to the grave at the basically the same damn pace. Some people do it in an enjoyable way, and some people do it in a depressed, anxious, butthurt, uh, triggered way continually. And you choose your own prison, you know? Some people are their own prison, the prison of the mind. At the end of the day, all all go with the way of being a realist. And realist understands that you can't be an optimist and you can't be a pessimist. It's not realistic to say that everybody is going to find financial security, that everybody's going to break out of poverty. It ain't going to happen. Poverty is is deep. It's deep at many levels. It goes beyond just a few videos of mine going to solve the whole problem. But if it solves it for one person, then it ain't that bad. If it solves it for two people, I've had hundreds of thousands of people go through my paid training programs. You don't think I have testimonials? Shit. If I bring together all the people that have been helped by my programs, I'm going to do this. I just haven't had time. I do it once in a while. If I put them all in a damn room... And just sent that video to anybody who hates on me, you would shut the fuck up. <laughs> I promise you. Because you would see people who are from the inner city. You'd see people who are homeless, who now are living a badass life. I post so many, te- put it this way, I have so many testimonials pouring in. I have one to two full-time people sorting through testimonials. The day you have to hire a full-time employee, I probably got 70 full-time employees uh, or contractors for my main brand, tylopez.com, not counting my other companies that, but my just my personal brand, Ty Lopez. Um, you know, I got to hire one person and pay them 70 grand a year just to manage the testimonials coming through, to manage the videos. And so some people go, oh, how do you know they're all real? Well, probably a fake one slips in here and there, but we look into them. And um, that's, I mean, you know, if you go to a, go to your community college, 
try to assemble all the amazing testimonials of people who go, you know what I learned in my community college history of Mesopotamia class? Boy, this changed my life. Show me those testimonials. I'm not saying nobody's ever been helped by community college, but I could tell you this, a lot of damn people spend money on community college and get nothing for it. And some people spend money on my stuff and they get nothing for it too. It's the name of the game. It's how life goes. Like sometimes stuff works for people and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes Cipro, which is one of the most prescribed drugs by doctors on 80, 90% of people, it helps. And the other 10% get crazy allergies and die and get paralyzed. There's huge side effects to everything, but it doesn't mean you never prescribe antibiotics. You know, like some antibiotics work and on certain people, they have massive reactions and they actually kill them. It's part welcome to planet Earth, the world of some uncertainty. One of the problems in the world, and one of the problems for those of you listening who are trying to start a business, trying to change your life, trying to make more money, trying to invest in stock market, maybe you want to get in Bitcoin and crypto, is your goal is to remove all uncertainty from your life. As if this is remotely possible. Like, explain how you would remove all uncertainty for your life. People go, well, is this guaranteed that I'll go from broke to making money? Well, it ain't even guaranteed that you're going to make it to the end of this day. Good chance, because a lot of people watch my live streams and listen to podcasts, okay, and watch my videos. Let's say 100,000 people are going to watch this or listen to this in the next week. One person getting a run over by a car today. So I can't remove uncertainty. And the second you try to remove all uncertainty, you're a moron. You forgot the name of the game. You don't understand physics. You don't understand biology. You don't understand the natural rhythms of life, which is spring, summer, uh, fall, and winter. There's a winter cycle to your own life, to your own entrepreneurial ventures, there will be a spring and when you're planting new seeds and trying new things. There'll be the summer where you have to work hard on accomplishing what you want. The summer on a farm is where you work the hardest. And there will be a fall where you reap, where you get all the good stuff, where you cash in and you make the money. But there will also be a winter. And the winter is dark time. And it's a time for introspection. It's a time for planning and regrouping. And sometimes it's a time of retreat. And um, there's also a cycle to society like that. We are probably currently in the summer or the autumn, if you live in the United States, and even globally in the world's economy. And there will be a winter. The last winter was 2008. It's a little bit like Game of Thrones. The winter is always coming, you know? And 2008 to probably 2012 was a winter in the world. Six million people lost their homes in the United States. Uh People around the world, of, of course, the poor usually are hit in a worse way than the wealthy because they don't have as much cash on hand. So when the winter comes, it's like not having a T-shirt or not having a sweater. You get a lot colder. And so people lost money, and then they regroup. And 2012, 13, 14 was you know, spring and maybe some summer. And uh, right now, things are at an all-time high for people. People are making a lot of money. Bitcoin is up. Had you put $100 in Bitcoin in 2010, today you'd have over $75 million. Um, so, you, you know, this is, this is a time of winter, uh, of, uh, of summer, spring, and possibly of the harvest time. But mark my words, the winter will come. Some of you 
who are unprepared. See, if you're prepared for the winter, it isn't so bad. That's like the whole point of Game of Thrones. The whole point of Game of Thrones is one dude is trying to really prepare the world, right? Jon Snow is like trying to prepare the world for the winter. He's kind of a realist that's like, yo, get your act together or else you're going to be surprised by the White Walkers. And the White Walkers in the modern world are poverty, their economic recession, or what economists call contraction, okay? Contraction in the world is a time of where your bank account contracts. You thought you had $10,000, and now you have, you know, $1,000. That's a contraction of the bank account. And the way you fight that is the same way you fight anything. You fight it actively. You fight fight it through education, through knowing what the hell it is you're fighting. So most people, if you're listening, we're talking about the $100 startup. We're talking about the philosophy of the $100 startup. What people don't understand is that the reason you don't have as much money as you should coming in per month, it's always rooted in not knowing what you're doing. The problem with the education system is pumping out at a continual rate people based on Bismarck in the 1800, his idea of educational system, which was to create soldiers, right, for Prussia. That's, that's the modern education system is a Prussian, which is before there was Germany. Bismarck is the guy who really created Germany, the modern conception of a unified Germany. It used to be a whole bunch of provinces. You used to have, you know, uh, Prussia was a big one, and you had Bavaria, and you had all these different places. This one dude brought it all together, and he was a big soldier. His name was Bismarck, uh, late 18, I think it was the 1870s or 80s. And he brought together and he created an education system that would spit out soldiers. And soldiers are, you want soldiers to be a little bit like robots. Somebody said Prussia and Russia. No, Prussia and Russia are unrelated. Pr Russia is much more to the east. Prussia was where like Berlin is now in Germany. And so you have... You and I spit out a robotic human being in terms of what we understand about money. So we're spit out with this basic core premise, which is you work hard, you get a job, you get a college degree, financial security, removal of uncertainty. Well, that worked in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. It began to crumble a bit in the 1970s. Uh, in the 1970s, you had weird things happen in the economy. You had stagflation, okay? You had um, 2000. Uh, in the 1980s, you started to have things like the savings and loan crisis. You had 1987, another crash in the stock market. Then the 1990s came along, and a new era was, came, which was the Internet, 1994. And then, you know, Amazon started in 1994, and big and remember that was like the spring. Everything was being planted. 1994, Amazon starting. Uh, uh, the internet as we know it is like really starting. And then like 1999, 2000. All of a sudden the winter came. I was speaking last weekend with Naveen Jain. Naveen Jain made 8.2 billion dollars before the year 2000, and then it crashed. And his company was only worth 200 million dollars from 8 billion to 200 million. So it crashed. That was a contraction period. But he stuck through it. And now he's a billionaire again. And he said he would be because he understood the cycles. And so a lot of you, your problem is you don't understand the philosophy of the $100 startup, the philosophy of going from nothing 
to something. And for those of you listening, it'll be, as I said, some of you, about 30% of you, are fear-based. So you're trying to remove all uncertainty before you try to change how much money is in your bank account. So like, Ty, what's the guaranteed way I can make more money? Well, there is no guaranteed way. But there's some ways that are a hell of a lot better than others. Trust me. I mean, there's no guarantee way. Like working as a barista at Starbucks, okay, it's pretty much guaranteed you're never going to prosper financially. Like you might be able to pay the bills, but you ain't going to prosper, okay? But there is a chance theoretically that you could like somehow get promoted to become the CEO of Starbucks having started as a barista. It's not great odds. Like if you were a poker player and you played those odds, you'd be an idiot. You know, it'd be like having like, you know, you're playing Texas Hold'em and you have like two and a three and like no face guard. Like you'd be an idiot to bet a lot of money on that. And some things have a high chance of winning. One of the things we talked about earlier is like with uh, Chris Gillibau was like you have a high chance of making money from something you already know how to do, but you didn't realize it could be turned into a business. That's the key thing. Like you didn't realize it could be turned either into a full-time business or a side hustle. And one of the things that can become a side hustle, for example, let's say you worked at Starbucks and because you're, I don't know, a single mom or a single dad or something like that. And it's tough. Like being a single parent is tough. So one of the things you could do is take your own problem. So your problem, let's say, is being a, you know, being a single parent and not making much money, you could create a WordPress blog where you talk about a hundred ideas for single parents in the world to make money on the side. And you start collecting ideas and you start posting videos. And the next thing you know, you create a little course online or you do personal life coaching and you're making one, two, three, four, five thousand dollars a month off solving a problem that's relevant to your life. That's why I said everybody has a business they could start because unless you're perfect, everybody has a problem. Some of you watching are overweight and you can't shed the weight. Well, that's a problem that you share with 100 plus million people in the United States and hundreds of millions of people globally are out of shape. So you create an Instagram where you start to post your journey of overweight to ideal weight. And people start to tune in, and maybe you don't have 500,000 followers, but maybe you have 10,000 followers. That's enough. And maybe you start sp- doing some public speaking, and you get paid to do public speaking. You know, you're getting paid 1000 bucks to speak here, 1000 bucks to speak here. You're doing some private FaceTime coaching with people that are struggling. And even if you're not an actual personal trainer, people need more than personal trainers. Personal trainers are important, but you know what else people need? People need encouragement. So you become an accountability encouragement coach to help people who struggle with being overweight eat right and work out. And they pay you 50 bucks a month for you to check in on them once a week how they're doing. And you get 100 people out there. It's not hard to find 100 people who are overweight paying you 50 bucks a month and you're making $5,000 a month. That's a problem that you have. The problems in this world are immense. I have a friend who's really into politics. I'm not so into politics. He doesn't like, he actually likes Donald Trump. So he created a pro kind of Republican Facebook page 
and he posts a lot of political stuff, and then he occasionally does a sponsored post for a business, and he's making, I think, like $7,000 a month posting on Facebook, getting sponsorships. He built a following of people who are Republicans, and you could do the same thing if you're a Democrat. You love Bernie Sanders. You love Hillary. You could create that, and you can monetize the list. So a problem in your life maybe is you don't like the politics in the world, or you like them, and that becomes... Your problem you solve with your $100 startup or your side hustle, and you're starting to make money off of it. I've also said, hello, Maya. Hello. I was just saying Brad's here, and he can talk about how to grow your business. Oh. Something, so. Yeah, well, let's do a new – we'll restart the live calls. You want to come in here? Yeah, come on in. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up this episode. We're moving to the next episode. Um, somebody said Maya is prettier than Ty. Well, that's good. I don't want to be called pretty. <laughs> Brad, why don't you sit right here? Okay. So, Pat, we're talking to Brad, and he was saying what most he's known for is how to grow your business from nothing to something. Yeah. And he also talk about software too. Well, we can. How you Thanks for coming up. Okay, we're gonna reset the cameras. We'll be back in a few minutes. Next episode, hour number two, or we didn't quite do an hour, but we'll call this hour number two of my podcast. For those of you, you can listen in two ways. By the way, for those of you listening to me. On the live stream, if you didn't catch the whole thing, or if you can't watch it on your phone because you need to make some phone calls, download iTunes and subscribe to my podcast, The Ty Lopez Show. Also, for those of you who like Spotify, I'm now on Spotify. I got approved on Spotify. So they don't have, in most places, they haven't fully rolled podcasts out everywhere. But um, So download this. For those of you, I'm just going to say, if you want to meet me tomorrow, last chance to get tickets to my mentor conference in Santa Monica tomorrow. Got 700 people coming. I'm filling up a whole hotel. I'm speaking. I'm bringing in top my top mentors, people that I uh, learned from. My business partner will be there. He spent $400 million on online ads. That's a good number. If you want to learn online advertising, between he, he spent, I'm not sure his exact number, but between the two of us, we've spent over $600 million, half a billion dollars on advertising in our businesses. So somebody said, yo, that's Brad Lee. Awesome. Warner Karabolis. So we'll be back in just a minute. There we go. Madero said, the real Black Brad Lee. Awesome. What's you up? got your fans showing up. So I will, let me, let me snap. Forgot to. It's okay. All right. Talk to you guys. We'll be back in five minutes.